Next on BYUSN, when will BYU quarterback Jaron Hall make his decision about returning to BYU or going pro? And does that decision need to be like right now? And Clark Barrington enters the transfer portal. How shocked were we? Oh, those Baylor Bears. They'll get you. Yeah, one of the Barrington brothers will see if they get both. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, December 20th, alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and for the record, we are not in the transfer portal. Not yet. On today's show, well, it depends on the NIL money. Uh, on today's show, we talk about Jaron Hall's decision to return or not. Timing. Clark Barrington's in the portal. Where were we surprised? We'll discuss which big-time player announced he is returning for BYU football. Women's soccer brings in... Uh, a national champion player added to the roster. And has Zach Wilson been mismanaged with the Jets? We'll discuss. But first, here are today's headlines. The BYU football roster shakeup continues. Yes, Clark Barrington is the most recent BYU Cougar to announce he is entering the portal. Right now he's listed as a top 10 overall prospect in the portal, according to some outlets. Isaac Rex made it official that he is coming back to BYU for one more year at the tight end position. And Corbin Green, freshman defensive back, joins Talon Tongiai, freshman offensive lineman entering the transfer portal, both announced on their respective social medias. Other football news from BYU, Ben Bywater had successful shoulder surgery yesterday. It's men's hoops ball night against Lindenwood. Ball night! Cougars are on a season night three-game win streak. Pre-game is on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 8 Eastern. BYU women's basketball drops to 0-2 in West Coast Conference play. Tough slate when you have to start at Gonzaga and at Portland. They lose to the Pilots last night, 67-45. Not the only setback. Lauren Gustin's double-double streak broken at 11 games when she finished with 12 points and 8 rebounds. Up next, Monmouth tomorrow, 3 Eastern, 1 Mountain on the BYU TV app. Women's soccer signs UCLA transfer Ellie Walbrook. She played for the national champs last season. An average of 20 minutes off the bench, scored one goal on nine shots. She's from Highland, Utah. Went to American Fork. Welcome back. Zach Wilson has been officially announced as the New York Jets starting quarterback for Thursday night football against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. How about that matchup? The one and two picks from the same draft class. Mike White of the Jets still has not received medical clearance as he comes back from a rib injury. Softball signs Texas Tech transfer Brianna Breezy Hayward, who's on the Red Raiders roster in 2022 but did not play. In high school, the infielder batted 720 and had 25 homers in two seasons in Tucson, Arizona. BYU women's volleyball finishes the rankings at number 18 this season, losing, of course, to fourth-ranked Pitt in the NCAA tournament in the second round. The team will be back and strong once again with a fantastic recruiting class. They've had 35 NCAA tournament appearances overall. Of course, made a couple of Final Fours in the last decade. BYU finishes the season overall 22-7, 14-3 in West Coast Conference play. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. And it is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. It is decision day, week, certainly decision time for specifically BYU quarterback Jaron Hall. Our question today is, does his decision need to be today for the best interest of Jaron and BYU football, one or the other, or both? The best interest of Jaron is on his timeline. It, uh, he's, he's got time. The best interest of BYU is that he makes the decision uh, weeks ago. 
um, and tells BYU so that they can get another guy in here. We, we are aware that there are interested uh, P5 quarterbacks uh, that have come to town and, and want to play at BYU potentially. One of those committed to another school yesterday. We'll see if that's where that guy ends up going, depending on how things shake out. But certainly there are interested, talented quarterbacks that want to play at BYU, P5, Juco, and otherwise. Excited about whatever happens the next couple of days. I said like a month or two ago, I'm not worried. BYU's going to get a good quarterback. And we're excited that that is going to be the case. That might be Jaron Hall. Probably not. I think he's gone. But uh, for BYU, certainly the Cougars don't want to put any undue pressure on him because you want him to come back. But you also don't want to have a guy feel bad if he doesn't. Um, so there's sort of a, a unique situation there and how you approach that with Jaron at this point. Like Tyler Algier, certainly we wanted Tyler back, but uh, I get the sense that maybe he felt bad that he told BYU that he left, but it obviously was the right move. No, because and he's, he's a great success. person. He didn't want to disappoint anybody, but there yeah. was undue pressure put on him. Like, oh, well, if you don't come back, you're letting down an entire football community. Like, we got to get away from The that. last time we told that was Chris Burgess, right? Um, that didn't go well. Yeah, it's just, hey, we... We need to make a decision soon, I think would probably be just the good question there for Jaron. But, yeah, um, does he need to make a decision soon? I would hope he makes it, like, today, honestly, um, so that BYU can push forward with whoever the next guy is if he's leaving. Now, I, I assume he's leaving. Um, but his dad was just named the head coach at Maple Mountain, so the family was dealing with kind of that news over the weekend, too. So it's a busy time in the Hall household. Here's what I don't want to happen is Jaron Hall – Yes, to be browbeaten somehow into feeling like he has to come back. Because I'm looking at from, and this is my perspective, I've had not had the conversation with Jaron Hall. We didn't talk about it when we were in New Mexico. We talked about the BYU football team and the game approaching and the backup quarterbacks. No conversation about the NFL draft. But from my outside perspective, I can't see a better scenario for Jaron Hall with his current pro draft stock. What would it take to get his pro stock higher? It would take something special next season. And, and by special, I mean like he's a top four quarterback in the country, throws for 3,500 yards. But now you're playing a P5 schedule. Like you're not going to put up the numbers. Ask, and it's asking a lot. You're going to throw more picks. You're going to be sacked more often. Probably. So we're saying, okay, Jaron, uh, essentially play, and I know I can uh, hit situations to golf a lot, but play a more difficult golf course and score better. Okay? Simple, Yeah, right? I've said the weight room score, thing. Score better. Yeah, get the yeah. same amount of reps Woo. up with, with more weight. No, you t it takes time to get to that he point. He could do it. it he's, it's possible. He's veteran enough that, like, he, he could do it. Yeah. But the chances of it happening, understandably, are less because it's just going to be a more difficult schedule. He should go pro. Just tell us. <laughs> the risk-reward scenario is, is clearly, in my opinion, in favor of Jaron like utilizing his window now yeah. because what you don't want, what he doesn't want, what BYU fans don't want, and what I don't want is for him to come back and feel like he has to play timid because he's worried about his future career. Like, oh, man, I can't have a devastating injury. That's, no, that's good for nobody. It's not good for Jaron. It's not good for BYU. It's not good for the fan base. You shouldn't have to feel like, well, i got to protect myself so – I'm not going to run here. I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm not going to sell out and make this play. It's, it's not a good scenario. Like, if he's worried about that and he's had an injury past, like, go. You've done enough. If you are number six on he's Mel Kuyper's yeah. quarterback list, your best available quarterbacks, number six has him, we think, at worst, 
projected as a fourth, maybe fifth round draft pick. How much better is it going to get for Jaron Hall outside of like being a Heisman finalist? Therefore go. And doing something crazy and maybe he slides into like the second or third round? Yeah, therefore go. Uh, Jaron's been awesome. Um, I need to look this up again, but I'm pretty sure has he beaten the most P5 teams of, of anybody? Yes. Okay, so he's unique in that way. 2021 was spectacular. 22 fought through some injuries, had some really amazing throws on film, some really nice performances. Played more aggressive with his legs at Boise State. That helped win that game when uh, BYU was able to run the ball that way um, and had some real injuries at that position where he had to make up for some of that. Yeah, the, the time is great. Jaron's been awesome. No, no one's going to feel weird if he leaves. Right. Like, it's great. And even if they do, who cares? Jaron's not the kind of guy that really cares what other people think. He's, he doesn't feel the need to appease a group, I don't think. I think he, need, he feels the need to do the right thing for him and his family. Yeah, great. Would it be better for BYU if he came back? I'm not sure because he's awesome. BYU's going to bring in another quarterback that's awesome. I think you, you pick it up. That'd be like saying, I don't know if Zach Wilson should leave. It's like, well, Jaron Hall's sitting there. Another very capable guy is sitting there for BYU, which is very exciting. And so if Jaron leaves... It's not devastating. When Tyler left, it was like, okay, we got Chris Brooks. Chris certainly wasn't everything we were hoping he'd be. He was good. We felt like BYU has everybody else. You got Jaron Hall and Ed Pukanakua and everybody else, the whole offensive line, they're all coming back. Tyler can go. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. And uh, they weren't at running back as much as we were hoping. Chris was good. He wasn't as good as we thought. Um, But he was serviceable for sure and and serviceable plus. But, yeah, Jaron should go, and he should tell us soon. Uh, Can you tell us now, Jaron? Yeah. Does it need to be today? I mean, we're asking, like, does it need to be today? I would like it to be today. Yeah, we would like it. It doesn't have to be today. But But I don't want one of these guys going elsewhere, potentially. Well, and one one quarterback the BYU had on the radar has now officially announced for another program, which has now elevated this conversation into what we're discussing today. A little more urgent. Just because you commit to that school, by the way, and even sign something, doesn't mean you actually have to go there. We've learned. Yes. So... It's about enrollment at that school. If Jaron Hall can come back and play like we know he's capable of playing with full confidence, not timid, not having to, like, protect himself, and maybe that deals with Aaron Roderick feeling better about a backup quarterback that's more capable coming in if Jaron gets hurt, fine, then that, like, frees them up, great. But I don't want him to feel like he has to play at 80% of what he's capable of because he's got to hold back worried about getting hurt and hurting his future stock. Yeah, I don't think he's come back, so I don't think I don't be think a he is either, yeah. but if he does, I want him to be able to be super healthy and, and play to the full extent of his capabilities. Yeah. Okay, topic two. Were you surprised, shocked by the Clark Barrington entering the transfer portal news? A little bit. I thought Clark was going to try and go pro this year, and I thought his draft stock was good enough that he could be a late-round pick. And so I just had kind of already put him in the category of, Oh, Clark is probably going to be a late-round draft pick, and he's going to be gone from he'll BYU be gone. anyway. He'll be gone. Yeah. So, yeah. so this one is, is surprising because he still wants to play in college, and one can't help but think he probably wants to follow his brother to Baylor. I don't know. And That's Grimes pure, and Mateos. It's purely speculative in, in, as far as it goes right now. but It's a rational thought given sure, that his brother went to Baylor. the brothers want yeah. to go. They used to play for Eric and Mateos Grimes and, and Jeff Mateos. Grimes. And, yeah. Yeah, don't be shocked if they end up together. But so that's the surprising part is, ah, he's going to play more, and it's not at BYU. That hurts. But I had already put him in the NFL with Blake Freeland and Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua. So 
yeah, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much as it would if we were fully expecting him to come back to BYU. So, yeah, shocked? No. Uh, surprised a little bit that he's going to play one more year. I think he's got. I think he's got a pro grade right now. He'd go pro if he wanted to right now. Yeah, he, uh, the Athletic put out an article that said he's one of the top ten uh, players in the portal. I mean, he's started forty games. He's NFL good. He's got an NFL type mustache. I mean, he's awesome. Um, I wish he was coming back at BYU, or if he's going pro, great. Because if he goes somewhere else, then he gets drafted. It's not a BYU draft pick. You know what I mean? This has been our guy. But um, the Barrington brothers, Clark and Campbell, leaving. Um, is a bummer because these guys are really good. Now, um, these two and now, you know, a notable local recruit going elsewhere that was perhaps coming to BYU. Some people have asked some questions about that position group and Daryl Funk and whatever. I'm not overly concerned about that. Is it, is it on my radar at the moment? Like, yo, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't, I'm not reacting like most people are on Twitter relative to that position sure. or whatever. The hope is that, you know, BYU can continue to develop these, these guys, which are really good. BYU had a stellar offensive line this year. We were hoping it would be good enough to maybe produce another win or two in third and fourth down short situations. It did not. That was disappointing. That's kind of the only disappointing part. Didn't give up a ton of sacks this year. Run game was better than you thought. There were some execution issues in certain games, though, in short yardage, as I mentioned. But, yeah, I, I was surprised, um, and, con- and I'm a little concerned. I wouldn't say I'm overly concerned at the moment. But I, we expect Blake Freeland to bounce, Clark Barrington at left guard uh, in the portal, Connor Pay at center going to return. Um, you know, right guard was Harris Lachance. Kingsley Harris is probably Mata'i gone. Is coming back. Kingsley will move over to le- starting left tackle next year. Braden Kime probably slots into that right tackle spot. Salatai is a beast. Salatai is a, a yeah, big time player. BYU's got some capable guys. Um, you know that, that are going to fit in there. They'll sign some guys as well. They'll bring in some transfers at that position as well, which we're super excited about tomorrow's show. By the way, with signing day, so tomorrow signing day, it's going to be exciting. And typically, BYU has kind of known who they're going to get, but they're going for more guys and more talented guys at certain positions to where they're, it's coming down to the wire. They may not get as many as they normally do, but they're being more aggressive in that pursuit in the Big 12. So I'm excited. We've, we've uh, you know, got a list of guys they expect to sign. We'll see who they do sign, and we'll, we'll give them to you tomorrow during the hour that uh, we're live. Well, and BYU can't announce some of them until others make decisions. Right? At the quarterback position specifically. So if Jaron Hall makes a decision today, then there could be a possible decision from another quarterback tomorrow and an announcement on recruiting day. Yeah. But if Jaron holds off, then that's not going to happen tomorrow. This is the situation that BYU is dealing and with. And that's why there's some urgency there. Obviously, you would love if, if Jaron Hall, you know, in the next, I don't know, 80 seconds or so. Like, ideally, you would know today, and then you can lock in that guy or guys. And like we've talked about, you know, BYU has some really high-profile P5s interested. And, uh, you know, Juco quarterbacks interested as well. So let's go. You know what? You can't help but wonder who in the world the starting quarterback is going to be when BYU takes on Sam Houston State in how many days? Countdown to Sam Houston. 257. 257 days away from Sam Houston State at BYU opening up the Cougars' inaugural campaign as a Power 5 team. It's two dudes against each other. 
Brigham Young versus Sam Houston. Uh, <laughs> someone tweeted at me over the weekend. I can't remember what day or who. I'll have to look it up. But they said, I'll give you an NIL deal to stop doing the countdown. Name your price. So I think Yumi and Ben need to chat. Mm. So we might cash in. Well, does that apply to all <laughs> countdowns? Because we also have a countdown to the Big 12 that we could potentially roll out. Not to mention the countdown to Sam Houston State, which we just debuted on yeah. the show. Samuel. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation uh, before we take our first break with our Question of the day, what BYU football news are you most anticipating? Is mm. is the decision that Jaron Hall will make to come back for one more year or go pro? Is it the awaiting coaching hires? We need some more announcements on the defensive yes, side do. of the ball specifically. Who are those guys going to be? Yeah. Does it deal with signing day? How good is BYU signing day class going to be? Who's going to be involved what's, there? What's your answer here? Because this is mine right here. Or is it more Jaren's about the transfer decision. portal? Nice. That's yeah. For, well, yes. I mean, we just talked about yeah. it. We made That's it top of one. mind for us today. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the top quarterback of mind decision. Top Julie Rose. BYU ready. That affects signing day in a way. And maybe Perfect. it'll affect transfer portal in a way, Jaron, because if BYU – Gets Jaron back or locks in somebody else, that might affect the decisions that other players are going to make in the transfer portal. I, yeah, if I'm sure, I don't know, but BYU's probably been like, hey, Jaron, love you. Would love to have you back. Also, we'd love to know soon <laughs> because we need to move on or not. Uh, whatever you decide will be great. At J underscore Royal 09 on Twitter answers with this quote, Jaron Hall's future is the first domino that needs yeah, to fall. Sure. I know that decisions like this shouldn't be taken lightly, but he needs to decide quickly to come back or not so that the coaching staff can get their quarterback from the portal sooner if they need to. Hashtag BYUSN. Uh, yeah, certainly, Jaron has been thinking about this for months. Like, the players act like, oh, I didn't, I didn't decide until after the year. No, I've been thinking about it. Clearly, that. the worst case scenario is BYU. It's just finding that exact decision. Yeah, yeah, is waiting, 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 and, and then getting... another quarterback leaves, and then it's now, like, uh, I, I was told that a certain BYU uh, player was waiting for a draft grade and would not get it until Thursday or Friday this week. So I don't know if that's for all players, yep. if that, but I don't know if we're going to have to wait until this Maybe weekend. Maybe that applies to, to Jaron, yeah. But that's, for one player, I was told that was the case. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. It's a ball night for men's hoops. They host Lindenwood out of St. Charles, Missouri. First ever meeting between these two programs. BYU Sports Nation game day begins at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. Up next, ESPN College football insider and expert Trevor Maddich on the Jaron Hall situation. Does he feel the urgency for that decision? And how does a bull win change the way he looks at the season? He'll tell us next on BYU Sports Nation. New Mexico Bowl champion, BYU football, finishing the season 8-5 and five, thanks to some heroics from Soljay Maiava, Ben Bywater, Jacob I Robinson. We were just going to the Bowl J. I thought that's true. Bowl J. That's how we roll now with <laughs> Welcome back. We're live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan to my left, and now joining us is our good friend and longtime contributor to this program, ESPN College Football Insider. Typically, he does Maddich Mondays. It is a Maddich Tuesday with ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Trevor? A Trevor Tuesday, if you will. How? Oh, nice. I yeah. like that play on words. How is your Tuesday going thus far? It's a great Tuesday. It's a whole lot better because of the big win in the bowl game. I mean, a lot of people didn't expect that, but that makes Tuesday a whole lot better. 
understandably, how much different do you view the season based on what BYU did, yes, in the bowl game with the victory over SMU, but the way that BYU finished the season after the winless October? It changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, they go 0-4 in October. Then they finish out the season 4-0. and And the thing is, they had all kinds of excuses to let the wheels come off of this thing. But instead, they came together, and they fought, and they finished strong. And the way they finished was impressive. I mean, with Jaron Hall being, being banged up in those last two games against Stanford, they put it on the offensive line, and the offensive line just pounded away. And then in the bowl game, same way. They said, look, we're going to throw the ball a half a dozen times. We'll see what happens, or we'll complete a half a dozen anyway. And we're just going to pound the ball. And how did they respond? They responded by by rising to the occasion, by being that physical group that we had hoped they would be all season long. The defense, especially in that bowl game, with all the new coaches and all the different things they were doing, all the different attacking that they were doing. The defense rose to the occasion and made play after play against one of the best offenses in the country. And I think you have to look at this season from a standpoint of what did they do at the end under adversity? And what they did was exactly what you would hope they would do in a perfect scenario. And you hope that in the future, BYU can somehow figure out how to not be so injured so that they can have most of their best players out there because BYU at the beginning of the year was a very different squad than BYU at the end of the season. And yes, they win four in a row and they win eight. And that was great. Um, nice finish to the season. How would you summarize this year, given the expectations at the beginning, given the four and five uh, first nine, and then given the last four wins? Uh, overall, it went, did not go as expected. I thought this was a 10 or 11 win team, even with the schedule that they had. The injuries played a part in it. Lack of execution played a part in it. Sometimes they ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into teams that were just hot at the at the wrong time for the Cougars. And so if you look at it from a standpoint of total wins over the season, it's not what I had hoped. It's not what a lot of people expected. But again, you look at it from a standpoint of the seasons of the season. Started great, then it became disastrous. Then it finished strong. And I think that the way it finished builds the culture and gives them momentum going into the offseason. So I can't say that the season is the success that it should have been from a, a record standpoint. But I think you can say that going into the offseason, they have to feel very good. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's turn our attention to Jaron Hall and decision time for the BYU quarterback. Trevor, in your opinion, what do you think Jaron Hall should do, and when should he make that decision? He should go to the NFL, and he should make that decision about two weeks ago. <laughs> because his first priority, his first responsibility is to his family. He's married. He's got a young child. He's got to make sure he does the right thing by his family first. But at the same time, the longer he delays, the more it, it puts his teammates or maybe former teammates at a disadvantage, maybe a massive disadvantage. And so while I don't think that it's fair to put pressure on him to say, you got to make the decision right now, he's got to make the decision when it's best for his family. But at the same time, part of what factors into the timing of his decision needs to be the people that are relying on that decision, people that have been so good to him over the last several years at BYU. So uh, the decision should have already been made. I'm not sure what information he's waiting on, 
Maybe there's an NIL deal that may get him to stay, and maybe he's waiting on the conclusion of that. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe there's more information coming in from the NFL, although I don't know what that might be. Because right now, when you look at where he would be in the NFL, he'd probably be about a mid-round, maybe late-round draft choice. And at worst, he would be on a practice squad making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year while he develops. Now, at best... He'll get drafted, and he'll be higher than people expect, and he'll go in and make a roster, and he'll come out his rookie year and do great things. But at the same time, I think the best risk-reward balance for him right now is to leave, and if you're going to get hurt, get hurt while you're playing for an NFL contract. Hopefully you won't get hurt, and he will be able to move on from there. That, to me, is the best thing, and and the decision is uh, to be made about two weeks ago. Starting left guard and stalwart the last couple of years, Clark Barrington last night entered the transfer portal. His brother Campbell has already entered and committed to go to Baylor following Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos. Any concern about the Barringtons leaving? Well, you don't get better with those guys leaving, right? But at the same time, this is an offensive line that's got a lot of depth. They've played a lot of guys, different guys at different positions, and they're going to be fine on the offensive line next year. They'll be more than fine on the offensive line next year. It does surprise me that Clark is leaving just because left tackle Blake Freeland looks like he is going to the NFL. And, and I think that Clark Barrington really ought to be playing left tackle in his final year in college. And I thought this was the place to do it. He could just slide out and play left tackle in the same system because physically he's got the build of an NFL left tackle much more than guard. But at the same time, if his brother wants to go, and he wants to play a year in college with his brother, there's a lot to be said for that. Because how often do you get to play with your brother on a major college football team? So that is a, uh, th- that's a big deal. A lot of things that we don't know. We don't know what kind of NIL has been promised relative to collectives. We don't know when teams, uh, you know, when, when players transfer, a lot of things could be happening behind the scenes just besides there's something wrong with the program that they're leaving. Uh, a lot of things could be going on. Keep this in mind, too, and I'm not talking about any particular BYU player. Uh, I'm talking about in general terms around the country. There are a lot of players that transfer for very good reasons of their own. There are players that transfer because the coaches have decided that they're not the fit that they thought, and the coaches invite those players to continue their college career elsewhere. So there's all kinds of things happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. There may be NIL money that was expected that wasn't delivered, and guys say, okay, you broke your promise, I'm out of here. I'm not pointing to any particular school, any particular player. What I am saying is that it's hard to judge players for their decisions to leave based on the superficial information that we know. And if Clark decides he wants to go play with his brother Campbell for a year of college football, and there's nothing else involved, that's a that's a fair decision. Trevor, as BYU pushes to Power 5 status and the Big 12, and with the quarterback in flux, whether it's Jaron Hall or another high-level quarterback that comes out of the transfer portal, combined with some of the assets that you just talked about that BYU brings back on the offensive line and in some other places, what are your way-too-early expectations for BYU in year one of the Big 12? Very competitive in year one in the Big 12 if the quarterback situation gets resolved. If Jaron Hall comes back and he's healthy, or if they're able to get a guy from the transfer portal or that hotshot freshman that comes in that's able to, to carry this offense because the offensive line will be good. There's, there's strong uh, running back room, a lot of outstanding 
young, up-and-coming wide receivers. This offense should move. And we saw, I think, uh, a glimpse of what the defense can be when they attack in the bowl game. I mean, they did stuff that just almost made me fall off my chair against SMU. I mean, they ran zone blitzes. They were bringing corners for pass blitzes, corners on run blitzes. They were doing different things that we haven't seen a whole lot of this year. And it was successful in holding down one of the best offenses, certainly one of the best passing offenses in college football, those SMU Mustangs. And so I think that combination will make them competitive just like it is. I think that combination will want will make other recruits and transfer portal potential guys want to come play for BYU, especially on defense. Because defensive players want to attack. And I would just suggest that you go look at the Louisville-Cincinnati Bowl game. I think it was the Fenway Bowl, right? The Wasabi Fenway Bowl, where Louisville, they both had interim coaches, et cetera. Louisville's defense decided, we're just going to go get them. We're just going to go attack like crazy. And they did. And they won. And it was fun to watch, and it was fun for them to play. BYU is transitioning into that kind of style right now. And I think it all adds up to the ability to maximize their potential. And that's what they'll need to do to be competitive in the Big 12 in their first year. We may not want to hear it, but BYU's defense is trying to be like Utah's defense. And Utah's defense has been awesome for a decade plus. Uh, But the influences of Kalani and Jay Hill and others are certainly strong with those defenses up there with Kyle Whittingham. Okay, let's finish with this. Next year, BYU enters the Big 12. We don't know the schedule yet. We thought we'd get it in December. Sounds like it might wait until February with Texas and Oklahoma, maybe leaving after a year in flux, blah, blah, blah. Don't know the quarterback situation. Don't know everybody going in the NFL. Do you have a standard for BYU next year and an expectation higher than make a bowl game? Yes. The the standard is, yeah, make a bowl game, definitely. Although we talk about Sam Houston uh, as one of the non-conference games next year. Sam Houston is nationally known for being a high-flying offense. I mean, that is not a cupcake. So BYU fans shouldn't look at that as, as a runway heading into the rest of the schedule. Sam Houston is tough. At the same time, I think BYU, my expectation for them is to get everything out of the potential that they have. They're going to run into teams that may have more talent top to bottom. They're going to run into teams that that have got a lot of momentum. What I want to see, though, is BYU's athletes in position doing the right things with the right technique, with, with fury, with violence, and with precision. And then when you make contact with the opponent, and things start to break down, then the opponent has something to say with what happens. But I want to see them maximize everything that they've got and then let the chips fall where they may. How many wins that turns into, I'm not sure in the first year. I have high expectations. I'd love to see them get to eight wins in their first year in the Big 12. That would be an amazing accomplishment, I believe. But at the same time, they might win more. They might win less, but it's that competitive fire and the technical precision that I want to see out of them in their first year in the Big 12. That is my expectation. I love it. I think you just explained the way you played the game, Trevor, with fury, violence, and precision. Hey, I was coached by Roger French and Mel Olson. There was no other way. (laughs) I love it. Trevor, thanks for the time. Uh, We'll do it again soon, and we look forward to BYU's recruiting class that we can break down next week. Thanks, guys. 
Trevor Maddich back with us on BYU Sports Nation. Before we go to break, a little bit of breaking news. This dealing with the other football as an F-U-T-B-O-L. Brecken Mazingo of BYU Women's Soccer named a College Soccer News third-team All-American. Mazingo had a breakout season, 12 goals, 10 assists. She was awesome. Here's what's super fun for BYU Women's Soccer fans. They're bringing back basically everybody as they move into the Big 12 and will be an immediate prospect to win the Big 12 Conference in year one. Elite Eight, let's go. Let's go, Take man. Down Every, everybody's back, basically. Yeah. Okay, tomorrow we've got a special BYU Sports Nation. It's football signing day. We've got you covered. Exciting group of new guys. Lots of impact performers even next season. It's not the typical, like, hey, in five years they'll start to contribute, right? After a mission in a couple years. No, big time stuff. We're excited about it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Plus, and I say this in the spirit of Mike Leach and some ideas that he has so geniusly presented. If a Wildcat can beat a bull, should a Cougar be worried about said Wildcat? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. What up? This is BYU Sports Nation. Follow the program on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Okay, men's hoops. Last night, Weber State beat Utah State. They're in the same town of Ogden. What? You worried about Thursday night now? Cougars and Wildcats? I was already worried about Thursday night. I'm You're worried, worried about, about tonight. You're worried about tonight? A little bit. Because of the emotional high, like what happens so often to so many teams, especially young teams, okay, you, you kind of ride the wave and the emotion of who you're playing. and It's not going to be nearly as exciting tonight as it was on Saturday against Utah. Can BYU maintain the energy level that they had against Utah against Lindenwood? No, there will be somewhat of a drop-off. If BYU shoots three for 20 from the three-point line, they can lose to anybody. We've seen that against Idaho State. We've seen it against South Dakota State. Certainly they didn't shoot well against Utah Valley, last by 15 at home. Yeah, like BYU needs to show me that they can get it done and maintain that high energy level after some big opponents and handle business against a team they should beat on paper, right? Yeah, BYU's played 11 D1 teams. Only one game has been not single digits. Crazy. Nichols. Tonight will be the second. BYU will handle Lindenwood, but it's certainly Makes you pause because Weber State has lost some weird teams. They beat unbeaten Utah State on the road in the spectrum. That was quite the performance. They were down 18 at one point, Spence. I know. 18 in the I game. I know. Utah State down 18 on their home floor. Yeah, no, was, Weber State was down 18. I was, I was already worried about Weber State. Now, now, like, yeah, for sure. This just doubles down. Like, BYU's got to bring it every game. They're capable of anything. Yeah, BYU's got to make the NIT. Like, at least that. They got to be Weaver State if they want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Last night on Monday Night Football, our guy Steve Young, former Utah quarterback Alex Smith, and RG3 all in a roundabout way put blame on New York Jets head coach Robert Sala for mismanagement of the Zach Wilson situation. Is the Zach Wilson scenario in New York more on Coach Sala or more on Zach? I think it's more on Zach. He's, he, his play has been the number one thing here. He certainly can play better. And what he said in the postgame got him benched. It wasn't just the play. It was the combination of those two. Could Robert Sala have done something better to manage it? Not much. He had to say he chose the team over Zach in that, in that moment. And he, this team is in 
competition for a playoff spot. You can't dork around in the, that situation. I think he made the right move, and Zach has an opportunity again on Thursday night and another start. Now, it is interesting because I tend to agree with you that the right decision was made in the moment based on what happened with that terrible post-game press conference featuring Zach. But I did talk to Steve before the Stanford game, during the Stanford game in Palo Alto, and, and I asked him about that. I was like, hey, so walk me through why you got fired up on Monday Night Football, and he brought up a great point. He said, it's bigger than just now. Like, I know the Jets are so desperate to get back to the playoffs. That and matters be, to And them. be relevant, like, yeah. this season. But if you go all in on a number two quarterback and the long play, and he's five and two as a starter, when he has a good running back that's healthy and his offensive line's not all banged up, you have to consider all those things and not get caught up in the emotions of just what happened in one game or two games and the press conference after. And you got to look at the long play because he said, if he benches Zach and Zach doesn't recover from this, then they just wasted another top two pick. And now you have to trade him. Like you have well, to trade wasn't him. Wasn't this the Jake keeps Riley Nelson situation though, uh, to some degree? Riley more proven than Mike. But, like, with Jake, the team was not behind Jake. They were behind Riley. And so you had to go with what the team wanted. And the, you have to save the team in the moment. I agree with Steve, but it wasn't – the team was not behind Zach. They made the shirts for Mike. They were clearly out for Mike, um, you know, supporting him. I, I understand why Robert Sala made that move to go, hey – I gotta save this group. Are the Jets that much better with Mike White, though? That's the thing. Like, and there are some fair points being brought up on social media where it's like, you know, Mike White had a bad game his last game, and Zach Wilson, statistically speaking, had a better game than Mike White. But fans of the New York Jets are so much more willing to like embrace and accept Mike White's inadequacies. Well, because you're paying Zach a lot more. Exactly. So like, because you you paid him a lot. Why not see it out if it doesn't work out the rest of the season? Because you want to make the play. Because you're right there. Well, Mike White could have helped, helped him, you know, in a couple of scenarios, get the one win closer to the playoffs, and he didn't. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Isaac Rex is returning. Big get, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Bring back your amazing tight end who we think and feel is an NFL prospect. I'd like him to catch more than 23 passes a year, especially when you have six touchdowns in those 23 catches all season. Like, I want Isaac Rex to catch 40-plus. Find this man. He's good enough that he deserves more targets and more receptions. Isaac Rex could be a 50-catch guy. Why not? Why not have him be like Michael Mayer at Notre Dame and be a focal point of this BYU offense? He's that good. His hands are that good. He's a really good blocker. He's a fantastic teammate. I love that he's coming back. I just want him to be more of a focal point in the offense. I, yeah, I think Michael and Isaac are different types of tight ends. I think Isaac's certainly uh, very talented. Michael's like a first-round dude. Um, Isaac hopefully is a draft pick after next year. But uh, a bit of news just to interrupt here that Weber State is probably going to hire uh, OC Mickey uh, Mental to be the head coach. Which means BYU. Not to be confused with Mickey Mantle. Yeah, which uh, that means BYU is likely to retain Fessy Satake and Steve Clark on offense, which is great news. Because yeah, that not was in anywhere. question, right? He's not going anywhere. BYU women's volleyball finishes 18th in the final coaches poll. Is number 18 a fair final ranking? Yeah, BYU won in six versus ranked teams in the final poll. They beat Washington State, who finished 24th. They didn't get any of those other kind of big wins to to catapult them any higher. So BYU is a top 20 program, tremendous. 
2018, they were number one for most of the year, made the final four. Uh, hopefully, BYU starts to climb back into that kind of top 10, and uh, we'll see what San Diego brings back next year. Yeah, can BYU. Excuse me, BYU's going to the Big 12, of course. Bye. <laughs> I was going to say, can BYU Who cares what San Diego find, brings find back? something in the transfer portal <laughs> like San Diego did to help them make the transition into the Big 12? I play. would love that. Um, what's interesting about volleyball and soccer, Spence, is unlike football and men's basketball, BYU is primarily members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sure. A lot from Utah, a lot from California, and that works to put them in the top 20. That would never really work for men's basketball and football if they only went after those guys. You have to supplement the roster with all kinds of talent from all kinds of backgrounds in football and men's basketball. But volleyball and soccer do not require that type of recruiting currently. The Big 12 does not change who BYU recruits very much yeah. in those two sports. BYU women's volleyball's got another great recruiting class. I think they're one piece away from being a top 10 team. One major piece. One pin hitter. Yes. Granted, you're replacing Heather Knighting, but you're excited about Kate Pryor. All right. Okay. What kind of impact do you expect uh, Ellie Walbrook to have on the women's soccer team? Speaking uh, of. The rich get richer, Jerem. Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, to, to be frank, I feel like BYU women's soccer is already in a great place with who they bring back, and they have they figured out their rotations and which players they need in which spots. If BYU is an A plus right now, they get like Ellie Walbrook makes them an A plus plus. Like it's it's great. It's another fantastic weapon that Jennifer Rockwood has to work with. She could play one of the three attacking positions. Rachel McCarthy was good, but they wanted her to be better as the number nine, score more goals. Perhaps Ellie plays in one of those spots, but you need depth in women's soccer. You play like 14 and a half, so it's going to be awesome no matter where she fits. We in. saw two freshmen that were awesome last year. Ellie Fryer was, in fan, was fantastic. Yeah, she's going to be awesome. Yeah. Right? This is the rich get richer for BYU women's soccer. And I Never love concerned it. about soccer and volleyball recruiting. It <laughs> appears awesome. it will be a cold, frigid, miserable December weekend for many NFL teams and frankly for some Cougars in the NFL. Field Yates points out. Current estimates for the feels-like temperature kickoff in some of the outdoor games this Saturday. Bills, Bears, minus 11. Seahawks, Chiefs, minus 6. Jeez. Saints, Browns, minus 9. Texans, Titans, 5 degrees. Balmy. Falcons, Ravens, oh, 7 degrees. And Raiders, Steelers, minus 4. Yikes. <laughs> Should Taysom Hill, speaking of uh, Tyler Algiers' projected 7-degree kickoff temperature, be jealous of that scenario because he's got to play in minus 9 in Cleveland? Uh, no, it's going to be cold for everybody. <laughs> but hopefully uh, Tyler Algiers does his thing again like he did last week. Run the ball in the cold. Burr. Uh, Brian Logan says put Vaseline on your arms. Then uh, the cold doesn't kind of penetrate the pores there. The defend Don't put Vaseline on your arms if you're running back. That ball uh, is not <laughs> No, it'll slip off you. Exactly. Just not on your hands. <laughs> Flutter fingers. The five points of contact. Yikes. <laughs> it's only four for me. No, I have no, no Vaseline uh, on the arms for Tyler. BYU women's basketball looks to snap three-game losing streak. Taking on Monmouth tomorrow in the final non-conference game. Tomorrow 3 Eastern on the BYU TV app. One game down this week and another tonight as we update our fantasy basketball results. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. Time to update our fantasy basketball standings after the first game of the week last night. It was BYU women's basketball losing at Portland. Gulp. The Cougars fall to 0-2 in WCC play. Hopefully we don't have too many Saturday-Monday situations in the Big 12 like this. That's rough because you don't practice on Sunday. 
by choice, and that's tough. So hopefully we don't have a lot of this. Can you imagine? You're like, at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State. Seven. Yeah. Uh. Now, you have won the first two weeks. 2 nothing lead. You had a ridiculously yes, awesome comeback last week with some great performances by BYU men's basketball in the Utah game. I am down again okay. to start. But you've overcome that twice in both of your wins. You've been down early. I'm a second half team. Okay. Can you overcome a 37-point deficit after the first game? Alex Fowler was awesome. Alex Fowler was, as I projected in our meeting yesterday, we thought she'd be great. She had 33 parbs. So many parbs. Nani Falatea was 17. Rose Bubakar had 10. So combine those scores, you come up with 60 points. Lauren Gustin, unfortunately, had her double-double streak snapped. Oh, no! And then Kaylee Smiler didn't really do much she at all. She had one block. That was it. Nobody on the BYU women's Kaylee basketball team shot the well. Like, Lauren Gustin was 1 for 12 from the field yesterday. No bueno. So Seven I, points. So what's weird is she just played left-handed. I don't know why. <laughs> so you got 23. So, But granted, I have, your opponent I have played. Alex Fowler. So I had three players to and your two. And 30-plus is a monster number. Yeah, that's a monster number. Yes. So your player... Uh, from the opponent is it's going to be Dylan Jones. Oh, so you, okay, so you're gonna go Weber Dylan Jones State, of Weber State who had 16 and 9 last night against Utah State. I'm hoping for a similar performance yeah. in a 20 point loss against BYU. It's gonna be very competitive again. <laughs> well, and I feel like you have an advantage the way that Rudy Williams has been playing lately. Rudy's, Foose, Foose is your double double here, machine. Here's the thing, Rudy, Rudy's 26 the last Saturdays, two Saturdays have saved like his season best have been what I needed to. Yes. Win. Okay. So I need uh, more Rudy. Now, they were in the big games. Rudy showed up for the big game. I would argue, yes, these while these are big games because they are the next two. They aren't the big games like Creighton and Utah. So hopefully Rudy will uh, do his thing. I'm probably going to have to have a 30-point lead going into the Weaver State game because then you will have Dylan Jones, and he's a potential 30-point, 30-parbs yeah, guy. Yeah, like 25-point. Yeah, I grabbed it because he's 28.6. There you go. You will have the advantage with... Foose and Rudy over Gideon and Dallin tonight. You're you're in the inside lane on the track, and I'm on the outside where I'm behind, but it's like, well, wait until we come in the straightaway. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I'm on the outside lane, so I get the head start, and then you yeah, come yeah, from the you're inside. On the outside. You're right, outside, yeah. I did track for like It'll one, be close one day, one like meet. this all year, and it's, incre it's incredible how important the opponent pick is. Like, yeah. Kaylin Chong no won you last week. She won you the match last week. She yeah. Made a bunch of did. Made a bunch of threes. Okay. Oh. BYU Men's Hoops has two non-conference games left, as we mentioned. Tonight, the Cougars host Lindenwood. Pre-game on the radio. BYU, that is. 80s. Plus, top five plays from Saturday's big wins by men's basketball and football. A combo effort next on BYU Sports Nation. Is that the top play? Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. This program's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps and subscribe to the podcast and rate it and review it. Let's roll out Top 5 Tuesday following a super Saturday with two major wins that evening. We look back now at a combined Top 5 moments from a men's basketball victory at Utah and the New Mexico, or sorry, the New Mexico Bowl win for football. Number five, men's hoops versus Utah, Rudy Williams. Just over two minutes left in the game. Three-point game, gets into the lane, hops back from the elbow, bucket, 62-57. B 
BYU. Huge bucket right there. At number four, BYU football's final touchdown in the New Mexico Bowl, capping up a six-minute, 82-yard drive. Chris Brooks following Houston Haymooley. <laughs> Get out of my way! 22-yard touchdown. More Houston Haymooley, please. Put, <laughs> put BYU up 24-10 at the time. <laughs> number three, back to basketball, down the hall. Could have, could have backed it up. Nope. A lead for Oakman X. Is that you? No, it's Dallin Hall. Three-pointer with just under two minutes to go. Put BYU up eight. Another big shot from the true freshman. Oh, très bien. Number two. Back to football. SMU scored late. Down one off to go for two. You'll get nothing and like it. Jacob Robinson tackles Tanner Mordecai, giving up 50 pounds to the quarterback. Doesn't matter. Form tackle. Execution. Precision, fury, as Trevor Mattis says, violence, and a win. And a win, most importantly. Jacob Robinson delivering the biggest play in the biggest moment. But it's not number one. Nope. This play is. It's the longest play from scrimmage. Uh, any scrimmage play for BYU. Any return. Any anything. But a punt in a non-kick play. Ben Bywater, 76 yards to the Casa. This uh, gave BYU a lead it never relinquished, and given the offense needed those seven points in this game to win. Ben Bywater had that and then just went right into a gurney into the hospital for surgery. Oh, those beautiful blonde <laughs> braids under that Sailor Coog helmet. Huge play. Really turned this game on its head. Fantastic play by Ben Huge Bywater. play. And what's crazy is as big as Jacob's play was, that's the number one play. That, oh, for sure. That That's is the number the, one play. The play. Jacob had the play in the most critical moment. We'll remember Jacob's play longer than Ben's play. Yeah, the most, the most critical play in the critical yeah. moment, but that was the best play. Yeah. Just sure. a, two biblically named dudes. <laughs> it is true. That Our question of the day. What BYU football news are you most anticipating? At Playoff Bogey on Twitter says... All transfer portal news, mm. especially new players on the defensive side of the ball, okay. defensive line, defensive backs that might get BYU ready to compete in the Big 12. And we should note that that is our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated coming in from Playoff Bogey. I am equally excited uh, about the defensive players as well. I'm, I'm stoked. Let's go. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about to Malik Moore? who offered to give away clothing to those that are in need. Because he has been given much, he too must give. That is so fantastic. I love Malik for a lot of reasons, and he continues to add to his life. A lot of mediums there. It's true. Our thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich. Sorry to Dennis, no time. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. See you tonight for BYU men's basketball, 9 Eastern, 8 Eastern for the pregame.